if you want to give that to John, John's going to come up. Here we are. John's going to come up and read the scripture for us today. Do you got it on your phone? If you want to stand, and we'll let him show us where we're going today. Matthew three thirteen through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was opened, and they saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Thank you. Good job, John. Thank you. Give John a hand. Good job. All right. So, yes, you can have a seat. I like that kind of power. Nobody's really sure. Hopefully I'm praying. Pray with me that my voice stays at least for now. It's okay if it goes away tonight. I just, at least through preaching, because I can see, I don't know if you can hear it, but it's about to do something, and I don't think I'm sick, but it's leaving. So pray that we can get through this together. If not, you're going to, I'll sign the rest of it. I don't know sign language, but I'm sure I can, you know, mime some things. Anyway, uh, okay, let's pray and then we'll, then we'll get started. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity to hear your word um, read, to, to praise your name, to hear the, the thoughts that you have in your infinite wisdom. And we are just so humbled that we could hear from you, that we could... Um, know even a fraction of your heart and of your mind. And so I pray that you would just give us revelation tonight, that we would um, know uh, exactly what you want to say to us and that we would hear it. I pray nothing would come out of my mouth that is not straight from your heart, God. Um, We just give this time to you and say yes to whatever you want to do. Amen. All right, so we've been in Matthew for a little bit of time. We good? Sorry. Okay. We're going to make it work. Are we good? I'm going to put it. I'm not going to put it back in my pocket. I'm going to do it. Okay. <laughs> this is fun. Um, I can move to the other one if it's if the handheld, if it gets weird. Okay. So we've been in Matthew for a while, um, for like a couple months now, and we're still only on Matthew chapter three. That's kind of, we're taking our time, especially for through the first half of this book. And we've talked about how our author Um, in Matthew is his whole point, well, one of them, one of the main ones is to really let this writing be the proof text that proves to us that Jesus is the Messiah, specifically to the people who would have read it um, when it was first written. Um, First century Jews, Matthew wanted people to know this is, that the Messiah has come and this is the proof as to why we know that he is who he says he is. Um, But more than that, the book of Matthew is this opportunity for us to see the way that God's plan all along has been leading up into this moment and how he has even better plans after Jesus is on earth, like into our lives right now. I want us to just go into today and what God wants to say to us, what I think God wants to say to us, remembering that everything God does, everything that he says, everything that he asks us to do has deep meaning. There is never something that God will say or ask you to do that is meaningless or void of depth or or is not completely intentional, okay? So everything God says matters. 
So last week we talked about um, this scene with John the Baptist, and we're kind of, this is kind of part two of this scene today. Uh, John the Baptist was this uh, prophet who was preaching um, that the kingdom of God was near. He was preaching repentance and renewal in the desert, and he was baptizing people and telling that kind of um, paving the way for Jesus to start his ministry. And while we were talking about this last week, Chael gave us the, um, reminded us of this connection that we've been talking about of Jesus being the new Moses. So in the Old Testament, Moses was the one who freed the, the Israelites from Egypt, right? And he led them through the desert. And I mean, I, I want to call it like the Israelites went through all these hijinks, right? It was like way more serious than that. But we kind of look back and go, these guys over here keep following and then not following God. And then we're like, oh, I'm like this the same way. Um, but, you know, it's, it's fun to, add, to distance ourselves a little bit. But Jesus is like this new Moses, right? So everything that happens in Jesus' life on earth has echoes back through time to stories of God's people throughout the centuries. So everything that Matthew writes in this book is meant to incite this, this collective um, cultural memory of Israel. Okay? It's this collective cultural memory of God's covenant with his people in the Old Testament um, and all the things that they went through. And so that's just a quick overview. One more overview. Why was John baptizing people? For us, we're like, yeah, people baptize people. This was not a normal thing for Jews in the first century. Um, the um, Chael told us last week that uh, Gentiles would be baptized when they were um, being welcomed into the family of God, right? And so John baptizing people who were already Jews is kind of, was kind of like this humbling experience, this um, way for them to recognize, okay, technically, yeah, we've thought that we were in the family of God, but we haven't been following him. And so we are going to be baptized as this sign that like we are turning back to God. We're coming back to him. We are turning our eyes to him and deciding to obey and follow his ways. So this is why John is baptizing people in the desert. And as he's baptizing people in this scene, Jesus shows up, okay? And Jesus wants to be baptized. So again, I'll read you. Um, in Matthew 3.13, Jesus comes to John, and he says, I want to be baptized. And John says, no, no, no. I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Right? You can imagine why John's like, why this? I know a little bit about you, okay? I don't think that this is a good idea. I think that you sh I should be baptized by you. And Jesus says, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Uh, then John consented. And then it says, as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And we'll get into the rest of that later. But I want to stop for a second at this moment when Jesus is like, no, no, no. I know this seems upside down to you, John. But this is what we need to do. Okay? And this is where we're going to camp for a while. When I have been taught this passage in the past, I think a lot of times, um, you know, teachers have landed on this idea that Jesus didn't need to be baptized. He was perfect, right? So his, the, there was no necessity in him being baptized, but he gets baptized in order to, like, show us what we should do, like, show us the kind of humility we should come uh, have when we come to the Father, that he could, should show us the way we should repent and ask for God to renew us. Like, the, right, okay, so like, I don't know if I'm the only one, but this is like kind of what we've heard before. But I just, 
you know, have wondered as I've been reading this, what if Jesus did need to be baptized? I mean, he makes it very clear. We need to do this. It is proper to do this. We have to do this. So why did Jesus need to be baptized? Don't worry. I'm not saying Jesus wasn't perfect. That's okay. Save the stones. I might say something else you don't like, but save them because that's not what I'm saying. So let's break down this interaction between John and Jesus. This is so interesting to me. So John says, oh, don't go away. John says he should be baptized by Jesus. Jesus says, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Now, I spent a lot of time doing some research into this, and Chael and I were having some conversations about this because, you know, he had had some, like, revelation about it, and we were talking about it and kind of digging into it, and it was really interesting to kind of break just this phrase up. I'm not going to do all of that because then I, like, wrote it down, and I would not be honoring your time. Let me just say that, okay? That would take a long time for us to go. This is a three-sermon series, okay? So I'm not going to focus on the first half of this, but what I do want to focus in on is this need that Jesus has to do this to fulfill all righteousness. This is why Jesus needed to be baptized, to fulfill all righteousness. To understand the importance of this statement, we have to kind of think about it in reverse. So if Jesus needs to, do, to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness... If he wasn't baptized, if he didn't do this thing, something would be left unfulfilled. Something would be left undone, right? So Jesus had to do something to fulfill what needed to be done. Every act of obedience and faithfulness on Jesus' part matters. And this is where we're going to camp. Why was Jesus' obedience crucial in this moment? And here's the kicker. Why is our obedience crucial in our own lives? Okay, collective groan, you didn't know what we were going to talk about today, and now I just told you we're going to talk about obedience. Okay, that sounds really fun. I feel like in my spirit sometimes I'm like, Cool, obedience lecture. It's like only a little bit better than like a lecture about tithing. Like, well, I might mention that later. Sorry, guys. But, but I promise you, stick with me here because I've just been set on fire this week about this, okay? I believe, I believe that we can step into our miraculous destiny is God's kids, that our lives and the lives of those around us can be radically blessed if we understand the weight and the necessity of our obedience and faithfulness to the Father. So first we have to look at why Jesus' obedience and faithfulness was so necessary in this moment. So one, Jesus is coming to this situation to be baptized just as a dude. So his obedience was necessary because he's a man who follows God and he listens to his voice and he does what God wants him to say. And so he goes to get baptized. This is like surface level. When God wanted Jesus to do something, he did it. Jesus said, I only do what my father does. He needed to do this to fulfill his righteousness, right? Jesus needed to do this to make sure that he stayed righteous. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I 
think about Jesus. I'm going to try to stay up here. I think about Jesus's life, and to me, it's just this big, like, lump of perfection. It was just all perfect, right? And there's no beginning and end to Jesus's perfection, okay? But I think we forget Jesus in his humanity was perfect because every single decision he made was the right one. Because everything he did was in obedience to the Father, right? I mean, we forget that his life was divided up the same way as ours in, in just a multitude of like choice after choice after choice. And he made the right choice. He did this and continued to obey the Father to fulfill his own righteousness. And we needed him to do this. We needed him to do this for us. Jesus isn't making obedience matter less by saying, it's no big deal. We should all do it, right? I guess I'll do it. He's making our obedience matter more because he's saying, if my obedience matters so much and I'm perfect, think of how much your obedience matters. Think of how much God wants your obedience and faithfulness. It all is weighty. So we also have a clue that it's not just about Jesus's righteousness, but it's to fulfill all righteousness. So another layer of this, I just love this, just beautiful onion with layers of this scripture. I need something that's better than an onion, right? Layers of cake. I don't know why we keep using onions. I, anyway, so Jesus, as the, new, as the new Moses, is fulfilling all righteousness for God's people who have gone before him. Remember we said Jesus is the new Moses? So he had to do this thing to fulfill all righteousness for Israel. He is fulfilling what was left unfulfilled. Everything that God's people were called to, the faithfulness God desired in them, has finally found its fulfillment in Jesus. So this moment and every moment afterwards and every moment before in Jesus' life, Jesus is succeeding where Israel has failed. Are you following me? So Israel couldn't do it. And Jesus is now doing it. He is doing the thing. He is walking in perfection of his faithfulness with the Father. So he's fulfilling the righteousness that Israel was called to in the Old Testament in this. Then there's this third layer of this, that Jesus needed to fulfill all righteousness because he is our Messiah. He needed to be perfectly faithful so that he could make a way for us to have perfect communion with the Father so that he could conquer death and that would otherwise hold us so we could live life with his, in his kingdom on earth and his, in eternity, right? So Jesus is fulfilling his righteousness. He's fulfilling the righteousness of the Israelites and the, God's people, and he's fulfilling our righteousness. He's giving us away by doing this, by obeying the Father, he is making it so that we can have relationship by the, with the Father through his spirit in us. So here's the thing. If Jesus' obedience had this kind of power over all of humanity's history and future, is it possible that our obedience, when we carry the spirit of Jesus in us, can also be powerful in our lives and in ushering the kingdom? This is not just about maybe I'll do the thing God wants me to do today. Every act of obedience and faithfulness to the Father has deep, important meaning for us and for the world around us. Then, after Jesus' act of faithfulness to the Father, 
which is already powerful in its own right, this happens. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was opened, and we saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So not only does Jesus' faithfulness send ripples of change throughout all of history, but God's delighted in it. He calls him Son, which Jesus already knew. Says he loved him. Yup, given. It's a given. And then the kicker here is that God says, I am well pleased. God showed his deep, unwavering love for Jesus, but also voiced his delight in what Jesus had done and was going to do. God is delighted in Jesus' obedience because he knows the full power of faithfulness. He knows the depth of the effect that each act of obedience has on all creation. That's why God was excited. Not because he's like, I told you he's great. I told you he was going to be perfect. I told you he was going to do right all the things that all of you messed up over and over again. No. God, is like, God knows. He sees it all. Even when nobody else saw it, they thought it was just this guy humbly coming to be baptized. No, no, no. God's like, this is everything, okay? This sets in motion everything that humanity has been waiting for. And we're just now, you know, starting to really, oh my gosh, the weight of it, right? People didn't quite get the full picture then. So let's think about it this way. Do you remember when we... Every time I move. Do you remember when we talked about our anchors in the fall, right? Anchor. Just let me know if you want me to change something. We had these anchors that we, you know, were teaching that these are the, like, the, um, the foundation of what we believe, right? Everything that we believe sits on these true things. Do you remember what they were? God is good. I was just going to wait for you to say it. God is good. I am loved. I'm not alone. Remember? What was the next one? Yep, my, my future is secure. I was set with purpose, right? I'm sorry. Should I change something? Do I, okay. All right, there we go. I don't know what's going on today. All right, my voice is going, the mic voice is going. Okay. We'll do this. Let me, so I don't pull that off. Um, okay, so those were our anchors, right? What's the second one? I am loved. This is a thing that is a given for us. It does not change no matter what we do, okay? God loves us. God loves you, okay? Just put it on like a warm jacket that you don't ever have to take off. That's not changing for you. But God does make something really clear here is that there is a difference between God loving us and God being delighted in us. That there is something we could do that brings God pleasure, that pleases him. When our choices and our actions and our hearts come into alignment with his, he is pleased, right? If you have given your heart over to Jesus, okay, if you follow Jesus, your eternity is set, right? My future is secure. You're good. 
This is not a conversation of like, I need to make sure I do all the right things in order to get to heaven. Nope, we're good. That's not the conversation we're having today if you follow Jesus, okay? You get to be with him for eternity. The conversation is, what do we want our right now to look like? Because of obedience and faithfulness carries as much power as I'm beginning to think it does, then I want all of it. I'm feeling a little greedy, guys. I want all of it. I want all of God's pleasure and delight in me. I mean, man, I know, please. I, think he th- I, I know that he thinks I'm the coolest, okay? I used to say all the time, God thinks I'm hilarious. He thinks I'm funny. He gave me my sense of humor, or maybe some trauma did. I don't know. It's a mix. But... You know, like, he really delights in me, right? I, I think he, he loves the person that he made in general. But man, when I am just in alignment with his heart and in a certain situation, when he whispers and asks me to do something and I do it, don't you just think he gets real excited? That's what that is. When my kids, okay, so when we're teaching our kids how to be human, right? I don't even, I can't pick one, right? How to just like exist. So we teach them all these things. And then when they do it, we're not like, I mean, I don't know about you, maybe a little bit. For the most part, when they do something that I've taught them to do, I'm not like, yeah, I have control over you. And this is the proof. You will do whatever I say. I learned that a long time ago. I have zero control. Sorry. Right? Yes. What I get excited about is when my kids do something I've taught them to do or asked them to do, I like, I don't know if you guys do this, but I feel like their future flashes in front of my eyes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you did this thing and that is going to just make the rest of your life so beautiful. Like when my kids have learned how to forgive one another and I can like hear them in the next room and they didn't come to me, but something happened. And then they're like, I'm sorry. And the other one's like, I forgive you. I'm like, they're doing it. They're doing it. Not because I'm like, yeah, I'm such a good parent. Well, maybe a little bit. It does feel good. But for the most part, I'm excited because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, when they're in their 20s, when they're in their 30s, apologizing is going to be easy, right? Forgiveness is going to be natural, They're going to know how to love people, even imperfectly. Like, right? This is the way that God delights. Because he sees how much our obedience matters to us and to everyone around us. He knows the power of it. He knows that every act we take, every step we take in his will, oh my gosh, he's like, you don't even know the power. You don't even know the power that you're walking in right now but I see it. And then we can look back over our lives and go, oh, I think I, I think I see a little bit of it, God. I think I see some of that destiny you asked me to, to walk in, some of that miraculous beauty and power and authority that you gave to me that I now have access to because I am walking in your will. You get what I'm saying? Like God loves you, But man, he really gets pleased when you are walking in his will, when you are faithful to what he has asked you to do. Because then he's like, ooh. 
now some cool stuff's gonna happen. Like now you're opening doors. Now there's gonna be supernatural stuff happening. Now we can see miracles. Because you've said yes. That is the power of yes. I think a lot of times we lean more towards one camp or the other in our relationship with Jesus, either like, God loves me no matter what I do, right? Or we lean to, I, all of my, like, actions have consequences. And if I follow God, good consequences. If I don't, bad consequences. Which one of those is true? Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. I don't like that conversation. I don't like the conversation that like, yeah, maybe if I don't do the thing that God is asking me to do, there would be negative consequences. I don't, uh, I don't like that. Sorry. I don't like talking about it. Because I do know for the, <laughs> in a lot of ways, guys, I have screwed up royally a ton of times. And how many God times has God saved me? Infinity times. Infinity. This is why I tell my kids, I love you more. I love you more. I love you infinity to the infinityth power. That's how many times God's going to keep showing up, okay? That's just going to happen. But our lives do bear the consequences of our actions, right? If they didn't, they wouldn't be free will. God would not in his love have given us the will to make decisions. And so we have to figure out a way to, to, to live in these two camps, to know that these two things are true. To walk in the knowledge that we are loved and to also be really comfortable saying, all right, God, what are we going to do today? What do you have for me in this season? What does it look like? I want to do it. Let's go. I don't know how many times Jesus had talk, has talked about the mercy and grace and patience of the Father, and yet he still, in John 15, says, if you love me, you will do what I command. It's a both and, and it feels like tension sometimes, but I think I've talked about this before. Like, we think about tension like, oh, this, like, uncomfortable thing, but I remember hearing once, and it just stuck with me, when the fact that our fingers can do this right here, we can all do that. Everybody do this real quick. We're going to wake up a little bit. Okay. This is tension. It's not a natural if our, we're just relaxed hands, okay? Our fingers don't come together. But it's tension is needed to bring our pointer finger and our thumb together. And how many things can we do because our hands are able to do this thingy? Infinity things. Right? We could, this, is, this like sets us apart, right? In the animal kingdom, we can do this thing. We can pick stuff up. Right? We can play instruments. We can hold one another. Like, this kind of tension is a good tension. If we didn't have this tension, our body wouldn't be doing what it needed to do. We need to understand that this tension is a good one. Now, let me be very clear. This is not a tightrope walk. Trying to make sure that you are walking in the will of the Father, making sure you're not disobeying everything you do is obedience. If you have felt like it is a tightrope walk, and you are like, oh, man, I just, I don't want to get it wrong. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I don't want to step the wrong direction. What if something bad that's happening right now is because I disobeyed and I didn't even know what it was? I didn't notice. 
I'm going to tell you right now that is bondage and it's from the enemy. Okay? That is not what this looks like. Walking with Jesus does not look like a tightrope walk. He doesn't trick us. He's not like, hey, 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 I totally told her, but I said it like quiet and so she didn't hear me and now she's in trouble because she didn't do it. Right? God, that's not what God does. That is not in his character. Okay? I can say that with 100% confidence. So it's not a tightrope walk, okay? You don't have to be worried about an accident falling off a ledge. But it is a very specific road. It's a very specific path. I came out dressed today to come here, and Rob was like, that's a cool shirt. And I was like, thanks. And he was like, are you going to talk about roads today? And I was like, oh, shoot. I might mention them, but it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> but I have a road on my shirt. And you might not have noticed if I didn't say anything, but I am unable to not say anything. This is a very specific road that God is asking us to walk on. And when we walk that road, God is delighted. He just celebrates it. Because he knows the power our obedience carries. It makes me think of um, the verse in 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 1, verse 7. For God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. And I love that, but every time I would read it in the past, I would think like, yes, power. And he's given me a spirit of love. And he's given me a spirit of self-discipline. I don't want to. Self-discipline makes me chafe. Just the, the words a little bit. I mean, I think if you really looked at my life, I'd be like, okay, she's like disciplined. There are things that she's disciplined about. But something about it, I still, uh, no, we don't, self-discipline's stupid. But as I've been looking at this verse with fresh eyes, I've realized, oh my gosh, it's, it's, all, about, it's all about obedience, actually. Jesus' obedience was powerful catalyst for the kingdom. Jesus' obedience was motivated by love. Jesus' obedience was rooted in self-discipline. Right? That's, that's all what it is. That's how he stayed faithful. Because he knew the power of it. Because it was always motivated by love for the Father and love for the people around him. And because he just did the thing. He just said, he just said yes, I'm going to do the thing, even if it seems silly. Even if, even if it means a dunk and I'm wet now, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because I know the power of saying yes to the Father. It's the same spirit that we have in us, this spirit that Jesus had. This is what the spirit of faithfulness looks like. It's powerful and it's mighty and it's loving, but it's also full of these small moments that we say yes to God. Jesus' obedience set free all of humanity, and our obedience carries the same power. And that power blesses us and everyone around us. It blesses generation upon generation of families. When we walk in obedience, we walk in the miraculous destiny God has placed for us. My husband and I's obedience to leave a comfortable and safe life in New York 
and live in unknown limbo for months and then move to this place that I didn't know existed. Okay, I thought Chicago ended and Wisconsin started. I didn't know there was this situation in between. Us moving here out of obedience to God, I mean, it, it was so hard. Have you ever moved somewhere you don't know anybody? Guys, I feel like sometimes I talk about it. You might have heard me talk about it before. And I'm always like, eh, you know, it was just, I feel like in the past I've been like, it was just easy. Like the Lord was just our shepherd and he lit our way. He was a lamp, you know, and to our feet and whatnot. And I know all the right things to say, but at the end of the day, it was like really hard. It was really scary. We knew no one. And I thought, yeah, we're like moving here for Jesus. I didn't know it would feel so lonely and weird, right? Had little kids, could never go anywhere, taking baths four times a day because we didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> Mom, we know, right? We know. We're trying to kill some time. We're like, let's take a bath. Anyway. But I, man, I wouldn't trade it for anything. We thought we were saying yes to God for some, like, church entity. But he has given us you. Sorry. You guys make me emotional because we love you. He has given us a wonderful family. He has given us relationships we would have never had. People we would have never known have, have changed us. And so I know God asking us to come here wasn't just about him making sure we would do what he wanted. God was like, oh, this is going to be so good for you. You are going to love this. And it's going to be hard, but you will know. You will know that it was worth it. That's what obedience looks like. And that's kind of like a big life highlight stuff. But think about the power of all the little ways that we love and are faithful to the Father, abiding with him daily and speaking truth over people or praying for people in a moment that God asks us to, helping someone at the grocery store, giving forgiveness to those who have hurt us. All these little small things are acts of faithfulness to the Father and what he has asked us to do. And they snowball and they change the course of our lives in ways that we can only imagine. Did you know my great-grandmother, Rose, was an ordained preacher? And, I mean, I'm not going to act like I, I haven't made decisions in my life, right? I'm not just being carried by some weird fate stream. But it does make me wonder... Was her faithfulness turned into a legacy that led to me standing here right now? God's just crazy enough to do it. Guys, we got to start thinking bigger. Obedience is so much bigger that it affects generation after generation after generation. And maybe you're the first one in your family to follow Jesus, 
but you get to be the one that your great-great-grandchildren stand and say, yeah, my great-grandmother, my great-grandfather started this, and now I get to benefit from their legacy of faith. Do you know what's really funny? In Timothy, the verse we just talked about, about the spirit that God gave us, Paul, right before this part, says to Timothy something to the effect of, like, you have a sincere faith, and your mother had it, and your grandmother had it. Like, I saw that in them, and now you carry that same sincere faith. And then he goes on to tell Timothy what the spirit is that he carries, that all of God's children carry. Why would he put, why, why would we have that there? Oh, it's just another testament to this legacy of obedience and faithfulness that follows us and ripples out from us. Guys, it matters. It matters what we do. It matters when we're faithful in the little ways. I'm telling you, it may feel like you have been trying to be faithful. It may feel like you have, you have done the things that God has asked you to do, and it's like, I'm, I'm feeling far from him, you know? Or I don't know where he is, or I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. You know how many times I said, God, what are we even doing? What am I supposed to be doing right now? This doesn't make any sense. But when you step back and you start to look at faithfulness from a generational perspective, oh my gosh, we can't even fathom the power that lies in our obedience. Because I guarantee you, you are going to see it. You are going to see the fruits of your faithfulness, but not just you. This family is going to see the fruits of your faithfulness, your nuclear family, generations of your family, the people in your neighborhood, the people you work with, they are going to feel and experience the benefits of your faithfulness to the Father. I promise you, that is good news to me. So I want to just get really practical before we go. About what this looks like. So faithfulness, um, sometimes it look, just looks like being faithful and doing the things we already know God wants us to do. Right? Sometimes we can be doing things and it seems like, what even good is this? Yes, I can just spend time with Jesus every day. Right? I can read his word. I can get to know him, but I feel the same every day. Trust me. Your investment in that will not return void. It will return 10, 100, 1,000 times full. full. You know what I'm saying. It's going to come back at you. Okay? These little moments of faithfulness, we just, we just know Every month, the, the first of the month doesn't come around, and Rob and I are like, okay, God, I told you I was going to talk about this. I'm sorry. All right, God, should we tithe this month? No. We just know that's what God wants us to do, so we, we do the thing, right? We don't need a play-by-play every single second because we have his word, and we know what God wants us to do, right? I don't, I don't need to ask God, like, but should I forgive them? 
I mean, like, surely this is the, what's 70 times 7? I think we're the one, the one past it or whatever. No, we just know. This is, this is what God wants me to do. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the work and I'm going to figure out how to, how to do that, right? So sometimes we just know the things that we need to do. And we're just going to be faithful to do that. Guys, I don't want this to come off as like, we are not being faithful as a body, okay? I look at you and I'm like, there is so much freaking faithfulness in this room. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. And there's only like half of us here. There's a lot of people sick and out of town right now. Don't worry. People are alive, okay? But pray for sickness in Jesus' name to come off his family. But I'm telling you, I look at all of you and I'm like, faithful. Faithful. I see it. Just keep going. Keep walking in it. Keep saying yes. And some of this stuff, man, sometimes we just need to begin to do the things that God has asked us to do. It's maybe something something we don't know about yet, maybe even. We just need to start asking God, what do you want me to do? You know, and a lot of times these questions can come because something doesn't feel quite right. Have you ever felt like you're at a job and you're like, something doesn't feel right? I just don't. This isn't good anymore. This is a good place for me. Ask God, what should I do? Do I stick it out? Or do you have something else for me? Where do you want me to go from here? Right? Just talk to him about it. Ask him for guidance. I guarantee you, God will never not give it. Sometimes it comes in crazy ways. Sometimes he's just like, I mean, I've heard of experience where it's like, oh, yeah, I thought maybe I should, I should leave my job, and then I was fired the next day. Ooh, okay, that's, that's one way um, to tell us. And sometimes I guess that happens. That's very dramatic. But sometimes it just is in the form of an opportunity. Rob got his job because a friend was like, hey, you should like do this even though you don't have any idea what this is and you've never done it before in your life. And Rob was like, okay, well, we've been praying that we could have money to eat. That's not a joke. And so, okay. And now he is doing something that he didn't even know existed many years ago. What is SEO? I can't even explain it. I don't know what they do at logical position. Don't even ask me. Right? Sometimes these things just come. We say, God, I just show me where to go. Show me what to do. And then he just reveals it. And then it's our job to say, okay, this could be very bad, but I think, I think this is it. Like, this could be scary. But I asked, and this came up. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a chance. Sometimes obedience feels risky. I feel, I'm sorry, guys. I'm going off a little bit. I feel like sometimes obedience feels risky, you know? Like, but do I know? But is it? Okay, that's me. But God, how do I know that you really want me to do that? And this seems really, like, easy. So is it not what you want me to do? Because it should be hard and God's like, no, <laughs> sometimes I do give you really like logical solutions. Sometimes I do really give you roads that make sense, okay? There are things that I'm, I mean, I don't want to, this is probably really dangerous to say, but I'm pretty sure there are things God probably won't ask me to do because like I don't, that would be like weird for me to do, but it would make sense for him to ask you to do, you know? There's some things that are just logical. It makes sense. 
okay, God, yeah, let's just take a risk. I don't know. I, we have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Guys, if we're spending eternity with Jesus, nothing to lose, everything to gain. That's, that should be the end. We're done. Let's do it. We could everything to gain. There is so much out there for us. I'm just ready to walk in it. Let's just do it. God's not going to turn his back on us. He's not going to leave us. He's going to constantly pursue us and constantly make himself known to us. And that's just what he's going to do. And we have to trust that. So there are those things that I feel like sometimes God is like, okay, this is what you're going to do. I feel like every time I preach to you and I give practical steps, they're very much like uh, whatever you are at in your season. Like, it's not helpful. It's not like you should go do this X, Y, Z. It's like you should kind of like talk to God and figure out what that is. So I formally apologize because it would be really nice if I gave you some really concrete steps. It never is. It's like, I don't know, it could be different for you. <laughs> Sorry. But sometimes, also, this obedience looks like a really big thing. And I kind of talked about it with the risky feeling thing. But sometimes it feels really big. It fe- it's, it's a move, you know. It's a total job switch. It's a, I don't know. I mean, God's imagination is wild. If our imagine, imaginations can go crazy, amazing places, God's is I mean, out of this world. And so if there's something in his imagination for you that he has cooked up for you to walk in, and it, it could be wild, okay? And I'm not telling all of you, oh, you're probably missing something huge that God is asking you to do right now. I feel like saying that either one or two people may know that I'm talking about you. So if it's something huge and you feel like it's maybe what God wants you to do, and you're struggling with courage to pull the trigger, let's go. Let's do it. Go for it. You will not regret it. You will not regret taking that risk. But sometimes it's just a big thing. So as we kind of start to think about what these things are that God might want us to do, or continue doing, to continue to persevere, to endure, or just to start new. Let's just start with yes. Okay? Let's start our days with yes. Let's start every situation yes. Okay, God, yes. Whatever you ask me to do. I don't know how many times I've said that to God. Yes. And then I go, I don't know what I'm saying yes to. I think that's how God likes it. Right? We're not always going to know what we're saying yes to. That's like saying, God, I trust you. And also help me when I don't trust you. <laughs> It's a mystery. We can say yes, and our intention can be yes. And then it's like, oh, shoot, you want me to do that thing? But saying yes first opens up, I think, an understanding with God. It opens us up to revelation and wisdom, right? If we say, okay, God, it's a yes for me. It sometimes makes us more sensitive to his movement and his, and his calling on us. So we start with yes. We get accountability. You got to tell somebody. I will never follow through on anything if someone does not know that I want to do it. That's why I've never told anybody about any workout goals. <laughs> I no longer have them. It's ridiculous. We, you got to tell somebody, right? Because one, you tell a friend, you tell a spouse, 
you tell a family member. One, it helps us like kind of, it almost puts it in writing, right? It makes it real. It makes us really think about it. But then it also, this person, our accountability partners here, you got to ask them about it. Like, what it, did you do that thing? I know it feels kind of silly. Like, I want to I wanna spend time with God without doing it because my accountability partner is going to ask me about it. You'll get there. You'll get there. When you just really love it. I never thought I would be like, I'm just so excited to spend time with Jesus. I am that noob, you guys. I am just ridiculous. But I never thought I would be this person. I thought I would always hate it. You'll get there, but just start it. Start doing it and tell somebody to help keep you accountable. And then I think we need to get really good at celebrating faithfulness. Okay? We need to celebrate our own faithfulness the same way God celebrates it. When we tithe, I remember years ago, a friend of ours were like, had um, gotten this uh, word from the Lord that he wanted them to, when they were to, going to tithe, he wanted them to write the check or whatever. This was when we were still writing checks for things. And put it on the floor and dance and worship and celebrate around it. I've never done it, but it sounds wild. Sounds like a fun time. Like that was, that's celebrating faithfulness. That's like tapping into the heart of God that is pleased, right? Because it's not only is God pleased that I'm doing this, but I'm pleased. I'm excited that I am being faithful. Yes, this is good. We got to be okay. I think sometimes we're in this stuck thing of like, oh, but I got to be humble. And I I don't want to make too big of a deal about it. Well, I just told you that I'm seeing you and you are faithful, okay? So celebrate it. Know it. You got it. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I've walked with you. Thank for you that I keep showing up in community. Thank you that I keep wanting to hang out with you. Thank you that I keep hearing your voice. Like, thank you that I did this thing that you wanted me to do. Celebrate it. Take yourself out to dinner. I don't know. Find a way to really tangibly, if somebody's excited about going out to dinner, you should go out to dinner anyway. It's very fun. <laughs> but celebrate the things that you are doing to say yes to God. And then find other people who are faithful. And get yourself around them. That's another way we celebrate faithfulness. We put ourselves around other people who are really faithful. I think about my friends that have been so faithful to the Lord. And it inspires me. It inspires me when I feel like my faithfulness has been easy sometimes. And I go, you know what? Faithfulness can do both. It can be really easy. And it can be done in really hard times. And God is still good. And God still shows up. We need to let ourselves be inspired by each other. Get around other people who are faithful. And it helps us walk that path too. Okay, I'm going to read. We're going to go. It's about that time. Um, I think I've said what God wants me to say. But if you are, I'm going to read a psalm before we go. Um, but if you do want any prayer, we're, me and Crystal and maybe some other people will be up here to pray for you. If you feel like there's something that you need just like godly wisdom on, I feel like this is what God wants me to do, but like I, this is a lie and I'm kind of freaked out about it. We'll pray for you in that, right? This is when we lean on community. 
There are times when I've had to ask people, does this, is this something that would be something God would want me to do? Half, 90% of the time it's like, oh yeah, you're just scared. You should totally do that thing. But it's good, right, to pull community into it. And so we want to pray for you. Um, and also, if you just, like, feel like you don't know what that's like to hear the voice of God or to know what he wants you to do, we want to pray for you, too, because God has made you, has created you with ears to hear his voice. He says, my sheep know my voice. He has made you to hear him. And so we want to pray that that would, that would be um, really tangible for you because I have an inkling that if you feel that way, you feel like, you haven't heard God's voice. I'm willing to bet you have, and you've done what he's asked you to do on many occasions, but it's just very, it, it has felt so natural. It has felt so natural for you to be in line with the heart of God that you're like, but it's supposed to be huge. No, it's okay. It's okay if it feels like a whisper or it feels like an instinct or an intuition, right? His spirit talks, speaks to us through that too. So we want to pray for you. Um, so feel free to come up here at the end, but I'm going to leave us with, this, if you want to stand with me, um, just as a, as a marker that we want to move forward in this week with yes, um, I just want to ask if that's you, if you want to just move forward and say, okay, yes, God, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to see the power of what can happen if I'm walking in faithfulness with you. I just want you to put out your hands as just a, an act of like physical, yes, I want to receive that. And I'm going to read this for us, and then we're going to go. And close our eyes and just listen to the words. Oh, Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise up on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. So this is our prayer, God. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, we say yes. 
Amen. Have a great week, guys. We love you. Come up here if you'd like some prayer, and we'll see you next week.